when, when I first came here, Tim had black hair. But then so did I. So did I. Uh, we could, we date way back. Uh, you ever, back in 2001, when he came here and I was asked to be part of the uh, India trip, which happened two weeks after 9-11. And we were together on that trip and it was a, a blessed trip and just started a great uh, time for us. Y'all have been very faithful to us, Michael and Cheryl Gale. And uh, thank you so, so much for your faithful prayer and financial support. And we brought our son here today, Nathaniel, who was here 20 years ago when we were, 20 plus years ago when we were raising support. And so uh, he's blessed us with his presence today. I want to just uh, sort of start off in prayer and then we will jump into God's message. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for how you have uh, loved us and cared for us. I now thank you for being with us as we share your word. And may the words and the thoughts that come from me bring you honor and glory and touch people's hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The title of our message today is Idols, Idols Everywhere. And I can tell you, they are everywhere. I've been on both sides of the pond. We're going to start off with a passage. uh, Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8. That sort of, what is an idol? An idol is anything that you focus your life on, primarily. And truly, an idol before God is one who places the idol before him. And God said it's not allowed. Let's see what the, a description of an idol is. Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears that do not hear, noses that do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Let me tell you about when Cheryl and I went over to Africa to Togo, and we had Nathaniel with us at that that time. We were introduced to idols. Togo and much of the world is controlled by animism. Animism is the uh, worship of ancestors and spirits. And uh, what they believe in is they believe anything that they do, whether good or bad, is affected by their ancestors. So if something good happens to them, it's because the ancestors are pleased with them. If something bad happens to them, it's bound to have been something they did to, to uh, offend the ancestors, and that's why they're being punished. They have idols outside their homes. If they're very well-to-do, they'll have concrete idols. 
if they are like most people in Togo and probably around the world, you go outside their mud hut and they have mounds or clay, mud of idols. The biggest one is for dad, then mom, then the little ones, and then baby bear, okay? That's the way it works. And they offer chickens, the blood of chickens. They order, offer eggs. They offer alcohol, whatever appeases the spirits. Well, what I want to, uh, and that affects us in regards to our health care over there. Again, I'm a physician. We have a hospital over there. And so we see a whole lot of this affecting the way we can care for people. Because people go to the herbalist first. And they get potions and whatever. If that doesn't work, then they go to the witch doctor. We have witch doctors, or you might want to call them charlatans. And they give them potions or objects, and they cost a whole lot of money. More money than these people, these poor people can afford. And believe it or not, they don't work either. And then they finally come to us very, very sick and with no money. But again, as I've said before, we do not turn away anybody in urgent need, whether they have money or not. I want to show you a clip from a movie that actually Cheryl helped produce over in Togo uh, in 2008 to show to people about what animism is and what it means to come out of animism. So let's show that clip. Now you're going to have... Uh, Subtitles for this. It's in French. So it's the subtitles in English. All these people that are in this movie are actually employees of the hospital. They were the actors and actresses. You can always, you always have to honor these witch doctors. And actually the witch doctor that you're going to see is actually the son of a true witch doctor. But he has turned to Christianity in his personal life. So there are the fetish idols down there. If y'all couldn't read, I don't know how y'all can read it back there, but just say they were having trouble having kids. They came to the witch doctor. They were able to have kids. And then, uh, and now they, the child is born. Now they come and give thanks. And they were asked, actually, when we, if you have a child, you have to bring them to us to be presented to us. So now they have presented the child, and now this is his next request of the family, or command of the family. So it's a gourd, and they say, you protect this. If it ever breaks, your child will die. And now throw something on the ground, which is actually the name of the movie. Uh, it's, it's about fetish worship. They charge them 80,000 francs, which is about... $160, which is probably about five months' wages. And they thank them. And they go off. Welcome to the world of animism where many, 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 a great percentage of the people around the world live. Looks and sounds pretty silly, doesn't it? And that certainly doesn't apply to us today, does it? Well, let's look back at the Old Testament. The Old Testament had a whole lot of idols. Again, God said, you must sacrifice to me, but it's sacrificing to him, not to something else. And you have uh, 
The next one is a calf at Mount Sinai, which is uh, Psalm 106, 19 and 20. When Moses went up on the mountain, spent 40 days and nights, the people got restless, didn't think he was coming back, so they had to create their own God. So they got Aaron to uh, fabricate this calf. And uh, it says they made a calf in Horeb, which is actually Horeb is also the uh, synonymous with Mount Sinai. And worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Again, he had brought them out. He had been faithful to them, supplied them everything. And then they fall to idols. Well, obviously God has commandments about that. And these commandments are things that he set down so that we might follow them and be in obedience to him. Commandments 1 and 2, as you heard as the scripture of the day. And I will read it again in Exodus 20, 4 and 5. These are the first two commandments. You shall make for yourself, there's one that's missing, but you will have no other God besides me, okay? Besides me or in front of me, no replacement. It's me and me alone. And then five, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, not a mean jealousy at all, but a loving God that wants you to be in obedience to him. So God's response to that, you can read that. I think it's in chapter 32. It talks about Moses took the calf, threw it into the fire of the burnt and, and melted it, mixed it with dust and everything, and put it into water and made the people drink it. And uh, he actually wanted to kill all of the Israelites at that point. But Moses stepped in the gap and pleaded with him, and he did not. But the Israelites kept sinning. If you have the opportunity, and I really encourage you to enjoy the Bible for what it is. It is God's instruction book. It's God's history, okay? History, it's his story. And he gives us the instruction book. And in that, throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites sin, they confess their sins, and then they go back again. And it's repeated throughout the time there. And they just kept, and then they kept going back to idols, whether it be Baal or anything like that. Even the greats of the Old Testament. You have Samson. Strongest man ever on earth. Stronger than Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he went after women from other uh, nations and everything like that and worshipped their gods. You have Saul, who's the first king of uh, Israel. And he, uh, at the end of his reign, sought out mediums and divination. Uh, to talk to the, uh, those who are dead. Solomon, wisest man on earth. In his later years, he fell to 
collecting things, whether it be horses or chariots and wives and concubines. And he started to worship their gods that they brought from other nations. You might say, well, that was the Old Testament before we had Christ. Yet there are idols that we follow each and every day. Some are in uh, very, very physical form, such as housing, vehicles, clothes. How big a house do you really need? There's a difference between a need and a want, okay? How many vehicles do we need? How many Lincoln Navigators? Uh, I'm not saying anything about it. I like a Lincoln Navigator. I think it's a fantastic vehicle, by the way. But uh, when it becomes your focus. And then clothes. How do we have to, I mean, I remember back tennis shoes. When I was growing up, it was Converse tennis shoes, low cut or high top. They were, they were canvas. And uh, the pros warm. And now we have these special shoes that nobody can live without. They say they make you jump higher. Well, I'll put, uh, I'll put some of my boys from the, from the old times up against them. I think they could jump just as high. But that's just another thing. But most of all, most, most of our idols are a little bit more subtle, whether it be food, sex, entertainment, success, money, achievement whether it be in job or grades in school, our family, and ourselves. Now, please note, none of these are bad in themselves because God created them all to be enjoyed. The problem is when our enjoyment takes the different form and becomes an obsession which we place before God in priority. Excess food turns into obesity. Lack of food turns into anorexia. Sex takes the forms of flirtation, which, we, which can lead to adultery and fornication. And pornography and lusting, which in itself, lusting in itself is a form of adultery and fornication. Because you're putting a picture or somebody in your mind where it shouldn't be. Matthew 5, 27, 28. This is what Jesus says about it on the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Then you have success and achievement, which can turn into Status climbing. In your job, you start climbing the ladder, not caring about who you step on or step over. Because the higher you are, the more money you get, the more powerful you are, the status grows and grows. Money becomes more than working to live, but rather living to work in order to learn, in order to earn more money to keep up with the Joneses and maintaining your status. And all of this takes your time away from God and family. And those are your first two priorities. Let me repeat that. Balancing your life is important. God has to be number one. 
on the throne of your life. Your family is your first ministry field, your first mission field, okay? Not Togo, West Africa, not China, not Brazil, whatever. It's got to be your family. Then it goes from there. As the Bible says, money is not evil, but as in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money becomes the root of all kinds of evil because you use it in ways that were not supposed to be. Entertainment, whether it be teams or types of sports, becomes a god in itself. I have to admit, I'm a baseball fanatic, okay? And I know I'm in dangerous, evil territory here, but I'm a Yankee fan. Okay, And I know you say, I am so glad they're in fourth and fifth place in the American League East. Tied with their nemesis, the Boston Red Sox. Baltimore is my second favorite team, and they are on fire. My son roots for the Tampa Bay Rays. I forgive him for that, as long as he likes baseball. That's all that matters. But again, sports can become an idol. Okay? You start looking at make sure we get home from church in time to take the roast out of the oven so we can sit down for the pregame show and that type of thing. I want to read something from a book that our men's small group took on. It's God's at War, Defeating the Idols that Battle for Your Heart. Listen to this and see if you see any correlation. I turn to the right page here. By the way, I'm leaving this book to Pastor Colin and the church. If y'all would like to read it, I think you would be really fascinated by it and even used in small groups. This part is called The God of Entertainment. See if you can imagine this one. People arrive hours early for church. On Sunday mornings, they don't just set up a backup alarm clock they set up a backup backup long cock to make to wake them up in time. They set up a backup for the backup. They arrange their schedules to make sure they don't miss gathering for worship. Throughout the week, they talk about what happened on the previous Sunday as excitement builds for the upcoming church service. There are all-day talk shows on the radio devoted to reviewing last week's service and breaking down the next one. There's even a TV show called Church Center that runs highlight clips of church activities that have happened across the nation that day. When Sunday comes, the members start loading up their trucks, SUVs, and sedans hours before the service starts. Harry, Dad, says fanatically, or frantically, maybe both, uh, uh, we're behind again. Mom says it's 6 a.m., church doesn't start for five hours last time we left at this time we had to park three miles from the sanctuary and sit in the nosebleed seats today someday i really want to sit in the front row but you have to camp out on the church lawn to have a chance of that the roads are really congested on the way to church no matter how early you leave at church there are vehicles parked as far as the eyes can see and folks are out tailgating Some have elaborate spreads prepared, breaking out portable grills and lawn chairs in the church parking lot. Some have television monitors and satellite dishes so they can catch updates from other worship services while they wait for their own. 
It's nice weather today. Not that that matters. Even in the dead of winter, they'll be out here in the same numbers. The masses begin filling into the sanctuary, cheering with great passion and excitement. Once the service starts, the people are all on their feet. Not that they ever sit down. Of course, a bunch of young guys are in the front row. They've probably been here since Friday night. They have no shirts, and each one has a letter on his chest. Together, they spell, get your tithe on. (laughs) Apparently, the rumor has gotten out that the pastor is indeed going to teach on biblical stewardship and worshiping God with their money. Everyone is pumped for for the giving servant. It's one of the highlights of the year. After several hours, people start looking at their watches. Everyone is thinking the same thing. I hope the sermon goes into overtime. (laughs) Ring a bell? This is Sunday. It's not quite football season yet, but uh, uh, it would be nice. (laughs) But uh, anything that, and that doesn't mean you can't enjoy football or baseball or any other sport or anything like that. But when it becomes an obsession where you miss church, because of it, whether you start to focus on that from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed, instead of focusing on God, God should be the first thing you think about in the morning and the last thing you think about before you go to bed. And other forms of entertainment, TV, devices, internet, phones, games, kids and adults, we have become obsessed. I mean, we're really touching on a sensitive subject because... I see people here right now that have their uh, phones on and they are doing different things. Average people, average home has TV on at least four hours a day. People on their cell phones, I think, are at least average is four hours a day. How much time do you spend honoring your creator God? How much do you tithe? I mean, tithe 10%. 10% of 24 hours is two hours and 40 minutes, something like that. We didn't even come close. Now, I'm not saying you have to be in the Bible two hours and 40 40 minutes or praying that much, but you should have him in mind. When you go out and you're going to school or you're going to work and there's going to be a tough meeting or whatever like that, do you ever stop and say, God, lead me in this? Tell me, give me the right words. Keeping God the focus of your thoughts. And there, here's a real killer that's really become blatant in the last few years. Gambling. Blatant advertisement. I'm watching my baseball game on TV. Every inning during the breaks, they have an advertisement for betting. Every inning. I went to visit my brother up in Toronto. Obviously, we have to take in a baseball game, right? Just so happens the Yankees are there. Go in there in the concourse, you know, around the stadium, inside the stadium, but around. There are places to bet all around there. And even when you go into the stadium itself, between innings, there's advertisements for betting on the jumbo screen. And this is becoming everyday stuff. 
people are spending their money. I don't know how many of y'all play lottery, but most people that play lottery cannot afford it. They think they're going to win, and they're not. They're just going to get poorer and poorer and poorer. And then there's pornography. Pornography has become a major problem because it is so secret now with the Internet. It has led to child pornography, human and sex trafficking. I don't know if you've heard about it or if you've been able to see it, but there's a movie out, Sound of Freedom. And it's about child pornography and sex trafficking. I urge you to see it, at least teenagers and adults. I'm not sure anybody less than that needs to see it, at least not at that time. And even if it gets out of the uh, movie theaters, if it ever comes out, I'd invite the church to watch it. You know, the pastors watch it first, elders watch it first, make sure. But it is a very sad movie. But unfortunately, it's very, very true. So, how do we respond to these other gods that tend to distract us, that tend to lead us away from focusing on God? Well, first of all, God's Word. The Bible. His instruction book. That's what He gave us. He gave us His instruction book. And if we obey it, things will go fine. He asks us to read it. He asks us to meditate on it. Psalm nineteen fourteen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And there's another verse too, Psalm one two, that talks about um, that talks about. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, which is the Bible, he meditates day and night. Meditation is key. And then there's also memorization, which some of us say, well, I can't memorize. Well, you can memorize what you want. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. If you want to memorize somebody's phone number, you're going to memorize it. Although you don't need phone numbers anymore, do you? You have your cell phone, just whatever. But uh, Psalm 119, verse 11, I have stored up in your heart, your, in your word, in my heart, that I might not sin against you. I'm still in the King James. Uh, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might sin, not sin against you. But it doesn't matter. Scripture is Scripture, and it's true. So, what do you do with these gods? Yeah, you can say no to them. But as this po- points out, And more importantly, as the Bible points out, you not only have to say no to them, but you have to replace them. I didn't write the scripture out here, but Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 32, I'm going to read. And think about taking idols off your plate, bad things, and putting good things into a in their place, Ephesians four twenty two through thirty two. You're called to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, lying. 
Let each one of you speak the truth. So instead of stopping lying, you need to start speaking the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. But rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for the building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another. One of my favorite verses, 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We have a job to do, and it's called obedience to God. I always like this joke. When is a door not a door? When it's a jar. Okay. All right. Now that that's over. Okay. Got that out of the way. All right. Uh, I want to take this next few minutes. It's good. I want to take this. Uh, they gave me an hour and a half to talk. You know, I'm going to. I'm going to be tempted to go into overtime. But actually, I hate the ghost runner in baseball now, but we don't want to talk about that yet. Uh, speaking of overtime. But I want to... I'm going to go around front. There are three groups in the church today. Okay? There are three groups. One is the group of some of you who may have come to church and don't know Jesus Christ. You've come here as, for whatever reason. Maybe you come to listen to the great praise and worship music. Tim and his group, they do a great job. And we praise God for that. But you don't come to praise and worship the group. You come to praise and worship God. But you may have a hole that's empty in your heart that you just can't find anything to fill it. You've tried these idols. You've tried different things. But in the end, they don't satisfy. They don't give you joy. They may give you happiness for a couple of minutes or a little while, but it's, but it's a joy. It never fills that space. Whether it even be your spouse. You don't marry your spouse just to make them happy. It's a growing process. It's the joy of being connected. But again, some people may feel they're just so guilty. They've sinned so much that God would never accept them. God's grace 
is deeper, wider, further than any sin that you have ever committed. And for that, we are grateful. God created us. He showed himself through general revelation, which is creation. He showed us through specific generation, I mean, uh, 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 specific uh, revelation, which is his word. And he's forgiven us time after time after time. He is a holy God. He is pure. He cannot exist in the same arena as sin. He gave us his commandments, which Christ boiled down to the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The first commandment covers the first four commandments in the Old Testament, the vertical relationship with God. The last six are covered by love your neighbor as yourself, which is your horizontal relationship with neighbors. But ultimately, all that does not save you. God finally sent the ultimate sacrifice, his son, the Lamb of God, to be sacrificed on the cross. To spill his blood, to redeem us, to bring us back from sinful. So that he can now present us before his heavenly father, righteous. Not that we're righteous. But we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. And for that, we are forgiven and have eternal life. And you can have that promise as well. The only thing you have to do is to, conf- is to confess your sins, to repent of your sins, which means not only stopping your sin, but doing, good, doing something good with them, And turning to God. And then when Christ arose from the dead. Overcoming death, Satan and power of sin. He sent the Holy Spirit down to guide and direct us. During each and every one of our lives. There's a second group in here. That Cheryl and I were part of for many, many years. It's called a social religion group. We used to go to church. We used to pick up our Bible off the shelf on Sunday morning, dust it off, go to Sunday school and church, and then come home afterwards, in time for the football game, and put the Bible back on the shelf, and it stayed there. We went about our lives until the next Sunday. It was not until we actually became teachers, uh, Sunday school teachers, and taught Bill Bright's 10 Steps to Christian Maturity, and that was a life-changing course for many people within our class and praise the Lord we were one of those uh, couples all of a sudden it made a difference in our marriage the way we raised our kids and made a difference in our lives throughout the week all of a sudden Christianity was not three hours a week but 24-7 and it has made the world of difference in our lives so I encourage you again whether you come for the music Whether you come to greet your friends. Now all that's good. But the main purpose of worship is to focus on God and keep him first. And then for the third group, those who are Christ-centered. Who are striving to put God on the throne each and every day. And be 
uh, willing to serve him in obedience. I, I encourage you to not only be that way here at church, but when you go out into the public, whether it be a job, church, I mean, uh, school, the playground, the mall, wherever it is, be a good testimony. You don't have to carry your Bible around and thump people on the head, no. You build relationships. How many of you know the names of your neighbors that are around you? Some people never see their neighbors. Their neighbors live in these houses that have, you know, and they see lights on and then the lights turn off and the garage door opens and the navigator comes back out of and uh, with blackened windows and everything like that and drives off. And then that night they come back, go in, turn, and the lights come on again. That's all. They may have automatic drivers. I'm not sure. But, uh, but that's what it is. But the key is to go to your neighbors, find out who they are. They have hurts and needs just the way you do. Go over to your next door neighbor, carry them a plate of cookies. Now, if you find out they're diabetic, you might change your mind the next time. But, you know, say, just want to introduce you. I'm your next door neighbor. Uh, how can I, uh, how can I be, how can I be praying for you? And they say, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. If you go over there enough times, I'm not talking about every night, but if you go over there and you greet them, they're going to start to say, you care more about me than what I thought. And they'll start sharing. Okay. That's when you can open the door for God's word. Be there. Be there for other people. Most people that come to church do not come on their own. They come from an invitation. You are that invite. I know that when uh, we were over in Togo, I was in the hospital, and I was on fire for sharing the gospel because that's where the hospital was built to meet meet the medical and surgical needs, but with the ultimate goal of sharing with them the best medicine of all, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I went in. I was sharing the gospel, and I shared with one person. He uh, he accepted. He, he made a profession of faith. And two or three days later, I asked the chaplain, I said, how's this guy doing? He accepted Christ the other day. The chaplain smiled at me and said, no, he didn't. He thought that if he didn't say yes, you wouldn't treat him. So I now take care of the medics, start the treatment, and then share the gospel. I want to finish up in prayer, but then I'm going to show you just a small clip for a hospital uh, and for ABW in general as far as inviting people to get more involved in missions. Heavenly Father, it has been a privilege and an honor to be here worshiping, praising your holy name, uh, getting into a time of fellowship with our fellow brothers and sisters here. We ask that you touch people's hearts regardless what group they're in, And encourage them to be more like you each and every day through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.